Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the Next Real Film Podcast. I'm Pete Wright, and maybe this time we could disagree with our words. Today, we're talking about Minute 42, the answer to life, the universe, and everything, which begins with a valuable history lesson and ends with knocking Cap to the ground. Back on the show, it's Father David Mowry, chaplain of the Movies by Minutes community. Hello, Father David. Hello. You know, last time I was in Germany, I saw a man standing above everybody else. He was the tour guide. I don't I don't know <laughs> why the, the first assumption is that we're going to have a problem. <laughs> not all tour guides are authoritarians. I hear you. Well, some of them are. <laughs> They're not good. Depends on which tour you get on. <laughs> right. Check with your uh, travel agent, folks. That's, that's the lesson of today's minute. Yeah, what, what kind of package did they did Shield get uh, Captain America? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clearly the wrong one. Clearly the wrong one. All right, we're continuing our conversation here between Loki and the German old man. Um, I Loki's first line at this minute is just so uh, perfectly egotistical and just so Loki. There are no men like me. It's just like. Yeah, this, this is Loki for sure. Uh, and you can hear Tom just savoring that line as he delivers it. There's just, there's so much he's putting in the subtext of that. Yeah. this It's a, actually a really interesting scene because this man is standing up and we don't know anything about him at all other than he is standing up to a potential oppressor at this particular point in time, which is very interesting. And it takes place in Germany. And so I guess to that end, it you know, it hints like, is he Jewish? Like, what is his background? Is he, you know, had he been a Holocaust survivor? Probably not uh, old enough for that. But still, it does make you think about his place in the scope of all of this. And to that end, I was thinking about this. It's like, this actually may be the closest that any of these films comes to actually having kind of this moment with uh, kind of like the the German oppression of a Jewish person. Because I was thinking about this in Captain America. It's like it, they talk about it. He punches Hitler over 200 and some times, but you never really get any sense of kind of what's going on as far as what's happening with, with the Jews over in Germany. It's all, as soon as he gets over there, it's Hydra, Hydra, Hydra. And I thought that was actually kind of interesting that this is the first time that I feel like, oh, okay, suddenly we're getting a little bit of something that feels a little closer to German history. Did that strike either of you? In watching the movie, I think you are supposed to make the connection between hmm, older man in Germany standing up to would-be tyrant. I think you're supposed to think Holocaust survivor. Now, I can't remember because the timeline gets a little wibbly after Avengers. Is this 2012 in-universe? Yes. Okay. As in, as in, in universe, in, in, inside the MCU, this is 2012 when the Avengers is taking place. Correct. It, would, it is 2012, which would right. make it pretty unlikely that this fellow actually is a Holocaust survivor. It's possible that he looks really good for his age, but that's really good. <laughs> yeah. The actor himself was born in 42, so if he was, he would have been like an infant or toddler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I guess it's possible. It's just mm -hmm. I don't know if he would really remember much other than the stories and all of that, you know? Hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that it's 
I don't know. I, I guess I just find it interesting, especially like this is the point when Captain America enters the this scene and uh, kind of has this conversation. And it's funny because he's talking about Hitler and everything, but still, it's just I don't know. I guess maybe it's just more interesting than than um, any particular thing we're supposed to be pulling from it, but just the fact that the entirety of Captain America, the first Avenger, is really about Captain America stopping Hydra, and he never is really confronting Nazis ever in the film that we see. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. He's such a symbol of all that is the the Nazi fight that they don't actually need to ever show him fighting Nazis, because Hydra are the stand-in for the Nazis, right? That's really who he who he's punching and who he's you know dealing with all the blue goo when when cap says this line is he actually referring to red skull when he talks about a man standing above everybody else like what what did you think i meant no i meant the crazy guy who had like red skin all over who do you mean right oh i punched hitler out a lot of times (laughs) it was the red skull guy that i actually had a fight with That's kind of sad to think that that he may <laughs> not have enough context. <laughs> well, I, as you're talking about um, what Captain America was and wasn't involved with, the existence of the concentration camps were not widely known in the American armed forces. I mean, they they were known to be things, but the extent of the horror to which the Jewish people were subjected to them, you know, who who could possibly imagine that without seeing it firsthand? And Cap went into the ice before the liberation of those camps. So he would he would learn about it the same way that Tony Stark would learn about it from reading the history of it. That's a fair point, that his battle was legitimately against soldiers, whether it was Nazis or Hydra agents. And if there were atrocities being committed, it was largely something that um, he wasn't aware of until uh, he did come out. So, yeah, that's that is an interesting point. Before we, we get too much farther into Cap, I want to just go back to the start of the minute because the interchange between Loki and, and the old German man, I love the interplay there where, you know, Loki's very smug. There are no men like me. I'm the best. Look at me. I'm Loki. I got horns on my helmet. And the, the put down of there are always men like you. It, it's good, not just because it's a very well written retort, but I think it's also good thematically because it is addressing Loki's insecurity. And it is another example of the universe communicating to Loki, you are not as special as you think you are. It sets up the puny god joke later with the Hulk. Uh, And I I think it's in part because there's always men like Loki because he's trying to be something he's not. He's trying not to be the son of Odin and the brother of Thor. He's trying to create something for himself rather than living into what he has been given. And I think that's what marks a tyrant, that the tyrant is always grasping for what he uh, can create for himself and damn the consequences and damn the piles of bodies that follow in his wake as a result. The way that the old man says the line as a response to your point is is very strong and powerful. And I guess I would say that Loki's response to it does kind of fit in line with the the mischief maker, kind of the, the trickster god, the one who's always trying to, you know, play situations into his own hands. And the way that he instantly responds to the old man is to kind of snicker at him and then 
it's just, I mean, it's so, it's kind of diminutive, but uh, it's an interesting line. He says, look to your elder people, almost as if, you know, this man is so wise and so strong, and he clearly gets it, but I'm going to kill him. And it plays in such an interesting way. I really like the way that the line that, well, I love the way Tom Hiddleston plays this entire conversation, but the way that Loki kind of does that and captures the essence of, yeah, you get it, but I'm going to, I'm going to kill you as, uh, you know, this is your, this is what your payment is for bringing this up in my moment of glory here. It's, it's interesting. I, I really like the way that it plays in, in such a dark, dark way, especially because Loki, you know, essentially is now in Germany about to kill this old Jewish man. Yeah. And, and I think it, it also shows like the, the, transparency of his position like we go back to yesterday's minute and we're talking about how this is the distraction like he didn't turns out he didn't have much more than his big blustery speech like there wasn't a lot of substance to it beyond okay now i'm gonna kill this guy because he stood up to me and the truth is there's no punchline to my joke guys i just am here to to pick a fight and um and and i think that sort of goes to the superficiality of the way loki is is handled still at this point in the avengers that there is this great setup and kind of a thin payoff that ends in a big action scene which is awesome and it makes cap look great and it makes the the rescue look great and it makes cap and iron man together on screen in this great uh, action scene look great but i i think it actually underplays the value of hiddleston portraying loki he's a utility character here and he matures later and i i think that's another beat that this movie sort of gives me mm-hmm the fact that he does actually raise his scepter and uh and you know intend fully to strike this man down it does speak to something that the director was was trying to do with loki in a way that i i i feel gets lost because loki becomes so likable later in the mcu uh, it's kind of like how Hulk has ended up changing. Like we like Hulk so much in this film because he is so dark and dangerous. Yeah. And we lose that over the course of the franchise. Loki here is killing old men. Uh, Like he is legitimately a terrible, terrible person. And it's this Loki that ends up getting his own TV show and everybody falls in love with because he's, uh, you know, he's so, you know, clever and funny and handsome and all this sort of stuff. But it's, it's like I think people forget about these moments where it's like this is a person who was striking down an old man just minutes ago and and he doesn't and I guess that's why it ends up not being so like we kind of end up forgetting it because Captain America saves him and it turns into this whole thing but it it's here and it's one right. of these things that like I feel like doesn't ever get talked about with Loki. Yeah, he fully intended to do it. The fact that he he was thwarted does not change the the moral blame that we can lay at his feet like you are going to kill this old man yeah and and the fact that he was going to do it effortlessly with you know thoughtlessly that he was going to do it because he didn't have a payoff to his big joke or his big speech like it was easy for him makes him so vile and yet tom hiddleston is so charming and we really <laughs> should extend that contract right this is the the doylest kind of watsonian <laughs> mm-hmm. approach to this movie is like we have this per- performer who's so good and people clearly like what he's bringing to the character let's do some more with him and as a result we have to gaslight you a little bit and forget this scene that he was about to kill the old german and he was going to do it without any forethought yeah 
It's like, you know, Ray Fiennes was pretty evil in, in Schindler's List also. And <laughs> I can't imagine them saying, you know, but he's so handsome, though. Let's, like, can we, is there a way we can kind of continue his story without him killing himself at the end of the film? Oh, God. The SLCU. You know, you you took it dark and weird just now. I just want you to know that Dave and I are sitting here just we're doing fine, and you took it dark and weird. And Andy, are you, yeah. are you okay? Do you do you need to talk? Because we're here for you. Well, I am. Pete oh, might not, you. but I am. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I may. Well, after this episode, we'll talk a little bit. Okay. All right. That that's good. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we get to this point where Captain America does drop in and save the old man. Um, and Loki gets hit by his own beam, which, um, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's ever, I don't know if he's ever been hit by the blue pew pew before, but hate it when that happens. Here it goes. Also, I just have to say when Cap drops in, aside from the fact that it's kind of a funny looking shot because it's clearly just kind of a stuntman dropping in a little bit to land there, our, our old man has a great look of like shock on his face. But behind him, there's this woman in yellow who is just so casually like leaning on the wall behind her. There's a beer in front of her. And it just, the shot's so fast that you don't really notice her. But when you're watching movies by minutes and you just like see it over and over again, I couldn't help but chuckle at the fact that this woman is just, she's just there. I mean, if anything, they should have said, you know what, let's not put the woman in yellow right there because she's just really casually just standing there with her beer like she's at a concert it is really weird to see uh can we go back to one clear the set please uh extras only security right <laughs> this is not a concert uh it's just you know moments like this are always fun mm-hmm. yeah she's like where's Coldplay? <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Is this the biggest hit that Loki has taken in the movie so far when he's hoisted by his own spirit petard here? It, yeah, actually. I mean, he gets shot in the face, actually, at the beginning of the movie. Right. And it does actually leave kind of a little track across his face, which, but I, Very I don't know. He, he heals quickly. I don't know what's worse, a, a bullet to the face that he can heal quickly from or a shot from the whatever sort of power blast is coming from the Mind Stone Scepter. Uh, it's, but he isn't hit another time. The rest of the times, uh, you know, he's attacked, but never, he kind of manages to avoid all the blows. It's not so much the blast uh, to the, the bread basket, but it, it's the stomach problems that come later. Loki had to spend a lot of time on the toilet after that because it just really messed him up. Gastrointestinal distress <laughs> no, is no it, joke. I'll tell you what. That's why, that's yeah. why he's so quiet on the Quinjet. <laughs> right. It's just like, something's going on down there. Keep it together. <laughs> Do not embarrass yourself. Excuse <laughs> <laughs> me. Uh, Black Widow, what do you do if one gets the trucks on a Quinjet? <laughs> Oh, all right. I'm not um, overly fond of what comes sex. next, I believe is the line. <laughs> That's what he's really talking oh, about. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, uh, Captain America. Anyway, hey, Captain America. You're doing great, Andy, by up. the way. Yes. You're doing great. Now we've got this little Captain America line that he throws out there. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. But this whole thing, the last time I was in Germany and saw a man standing above everybody else, we ended up disagreeing. Loki's response to that, the soldier, the man out of time, is this, did Clint fill him in? How does he know all of this? There were a lot of those vintage trading cards floating around. And so (laughs) 
Logan managed to get his hand. That's right. They made it all the way to Asgard. Do you not write this off as if, as in, uh, like, Cap was a big, Cap was a big story. Obviously, he's there. Do you, do you th- I mean, okay, so insofar as he knows about Cap, do you think he knows about all of the Avengers? Like, if he's drawing the team out, you think, he knows about all of them. Well, knowing what we know what comes later in the movie, the plan seems to be let Loki get captured, taken to the helicarrier, taken to this particular jail cell. So there's a lot of intel that Loki is operating on that had to come from Clint. But th- it had to. They they have to know about Hulk. Yeah. They have to. I mean, that's the whole plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's always weird because I don't know what place Clint has in the shield hierarchy. He's not a he's not a mission giver. He's a mission receiver, and so usually, I know I I speak only from watching a bunch of movies and TV shows. But my understanding is that there's a kind of need to know <laughs> basis for a lot of stuff. So it's just so this kind of situation doesn't happen, you get one compromised agent and he spills all the secrets. Well, we do know that Clint is level seven. So <laughs> that that is true. Clint is level seven. That's I'd forgotten. I'm only a level we... uh, G. So I I have yeah, right. We're not quite <laughs> Do there. Do we ever yet. have no. any insight? Any anything telling us that Clint is officially a part of the Avengers Initiative, or he, does he just sort of glom on to Black Widow as? You know, when she hits him in the head. Well, is there anything putting her in the Avengers initiative? You you talked about this earlier in the season that uh, it's the Avengers and Hawkeye. He's also here. Yeah. But that's what I mean. Like, do we, we never get any evidence that he is signed on because he's not in the he's not on on Tony's screens. Well, neither is Black Widow. Right. Neither is Black Widow. It's just super powered people. Yeah. OK. I feel better about that. And worse. Poor hot guy. <laughs> well, glad, glad I could help, I guess. No, but to your point, though, I guess what's interesting, actually, and, and your point is is well taken as far as the fact that Barton uh, likely filled Loki in on all of these potential people who he could be coming up against. And as he sees Captain America and says, the soldier, the man out of time, that right there. I'm surprised that, you know, in the minutes to follow when Captain America, when Steve and Tony are talking on the Quinjet and Steve is like, something's not right. He gave up too easily. This should have been something else that he could have said. Like, he also knew who I was. How did he know that? Like, that's information that could have actually been something that they could have, like, led them to thinking about some other elements, you know? Because that is something that Steve would say. Tony Stark would assume that, of course, everybody knows who I am. I'm Tony Stark. I'm amazing. Whereas Steve is he's Steve Rogers. He's Captain America. Like, nobody knows who I am, even though I'm one of the most famous people in American history. Yeah. Right. Not only that, but he's, as we've talked about with his superpowers, he's got like this incredible ability to strategize and like the way that his brain works, like has all been enhanced. And so some of this detective work theoretically should actually even be easier for him. And so putting these puzzle pieces into place should, you know, shouldn't be too difficult for him. It could just be that he doesn't really maybe they've never really filled him in much on this whole thing with Clint Barton. And, you know, the only time that we've ever seen anything as far as he is concerned relating to Clint is that one moment on the helicarrier when Natasha is looking at one of the other monitors and to, to see that Barton is, uh, you know, uh, one of the people that they're tracking and she's looking. So the fact that the face trace is looking for Clint, Eric and Loki 
I guess that's all he knows. So I'm assuming that they must have filled him in uh, a little bit, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got to come from Barton. It's Barton's Clint's fault. It's always yeah. Clint's fault. Oh, poor Clint. <laughs> Well, behind him, the Quinjet arrives, and we see Natasha piloting it, piloting it. although there is actually another pilot next to her. We never see him in this moment. We don't get to see him until later. It's just, it's weirdly shot in a way where it's like, it's all Natasha. This other guy, he doesn't really matter. Who is the nine numb of the MCU? Who is... <laughs> exactly. I want, I want to see those jowls. Uncredited pilot. Yes. so but natasha arrives and i guess you know she she's got her little line as as she uh shows up loki drop the weapon stand down and then uh, this is the fight the start of the fight loki blasts she's she clearly was expecting it because she dodges it fairly quickly and then steve and loki come to blows here at this point which really actually is good because it allows everybody else to finally get away but i mean what, what do you think does this work does Nat- natasha showing up in the quinjet does all of this kind of play well for you i think two things first before even the quinjet shows up as as Steve is marching forward towards Loki. I love that you get people standing up in the crowd behind him. And I think this is another one of Captain America's superpowers, inspiration. His presence provides a shield for people to hide behind, that I I can stand and make myself vulnerable, but Captain America's here, he's going to protect against whatever is going to come. Uh, And the the smoke off of his shield is just, it's a great effect. I love that as he comes marching forward, that nice little puff of smoke as he moves forward. With Natasha, I mean, it's a great big cannon just kind of unfolding itself from the bottom of the Quinjet. How can you not love that? That is, that is great. That's just, pure Transformers kind of stuff. <laughs> Although I will say that shot of the gun as it comes out, as cool as it is, it also reveals, and this is again to my our conversation yesterday, it reveals this courtyard that everybody's standing in uh, out in front of the building here. And then it also, you can see the side streets like passing by and cars are just driving casually past. It's like, maybe they should have at least closed the streets down before they... <laughs> Had cars just driving by without. Oh yeah, I think it's another <laughs> one of those art performances. <laughs> right. It's performance art, street art, and Stuttgart. <laughs> but yes, it is. It is cool though. I do like the way that the Quinjet plays. All of this is it's it's a pretty fun. Pete, what do you think of it? I no, I think it is too because this is a rescue scene. Like this is the scene where the the first bit of team is coming together to save the day and uh, I like the look of it I like the way I, I like you know hearing uh, Black Widow's voice you know as the gun comes down like I think it all works for me it's a hero moment and it's it's one of the lower cost hero moments in the movie but it gets us into like here's what it might look like if the Avengers come to the rescue of something and let's see how it goes so I'm okay with it I, I think it's fun I think it's fun to get us into some fighting well, we see that Loki can certainly hold his own against shield tosses. There are two times that Cap throws his shield at Loki, and both times it does nothing. Loki just, like, knocks it aside. It's nothing. The punching is a little more. There's some punching that, uh, you know, Steve lands a few blows on Loki, but it never seems to really uh, quite do a whole lot to him. 
I wonder if Natasha is watching from above because Steve is the one who keeps getting hit by Loki and his scepter. I wonder if she's watching and this is why a few minutes from now she's going to say, you know, you may want to hold this one out. Yeah, I I mean, do you, uh, do you think I mean, I, I don't know, maybe she is, but maybe it's because of her human anxiety. Like she's she doesn't understand because she's never really seen Cap in a fight, right? Yeah, until this moment. Like, right. This is new for everybody to see what Cap can actually do. Yeah, there are no magic shield cameras back in the war, so right, all that went unobserved. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah the the two punches that stood out to me in this fight was the uh, the jab that Cap gets in on Loki's chin that just makes him turn his head and he turns back like, mm, well, that didn't work. And then, boy, when he punches Loki in the ribs and it, the way the stunt actors sell this it makes it look like he is punching a brick wall it just hits loki's body and stops there's no momentum there's no uh knockback on the other actor so even though loki is the the lithe and nimble one of the asgardians he's still an asgardian captain america even at all of his super soldieriness isn't quite ready to go toe to toe with loki yeah he does have that fantastic move, though, where he kind of drops himself backwards and then pushes himself back up. That's, oh, that's yeah. kind of a cool move. The athleticism yeah. is very impressive. Yeah. Where he, he bends at the knees to dodge underneath the staff and then stands back up from that position. It, it made my joints hurt just watching it. Oh, ow, ow, ow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Much of this movie does that. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> No, it's it it plays nicely, and and yeah, I, I we'll see a little bit more of it in tomorrow's minute. But I do like the way that this fight um, is playing, and it does give us a sense of can Cap hold his own against Loki, right? And that's you know we're we're trying to get a sense, and in a team movie like this, we kind of need to know who can hold it, hold their own against the particular villains, and like how you know, so we know later in the film who is going to be in charge of what, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, in charge of what? But I think the other sort of overriding question is: Should Cap need to hold his own against Loki? Right? This is a team movie. Like we need to build the case that even if Cap is almost good enough for Loki, it's okay because together they can achieve greatness. Good point. Good point. Uh, the only other note I had in this minute, I, I don't know if I'm I'm hearing things or not, but as uh, Steve is walking toward Loki, right after he kind of says his line, there is a moment as he's walking before Loki, or before he Captain America finishes his line, there's a pause. And in the background, I, I can't tell if I'm hearing a, like a hint of an audio drop of just a very subtle hint of like some Nazi propaganda, like uh, rally footage. But I, I feel like maybe there's something there. I don't know if anyone else can hear that or if it's just me and my, my headphones, but I think that it would be a really interesting play to throw something like that in, uh, in the audio, just to kind of add another little subtle nod to Germany and Steve's time there and, and everything that was going on in Germany in the forties. I can hear, I'm listening to it, I can hear some low murmuring brass, like a a low trombone, French horn, maybe tuba, I don't know, um, which certainly is evocative of the Wagnerian effect that Hitler was going for in his rallies. And it does, yeah, it is a nice, if, if that's what they're doing, it's a nice audio callback. It's, it's so subtle, though yeah, I, yeah if yeah. they were going for that 
again, it's a comic book movie. They had the string quartet as Loki comes sweeping down the stairs. So I think they would have had a moment to let that music breathe in order for everyone to get the joke, so to speak. Sure, sure. I love how dutifully you responded to that, David, because mostly I'm just delighted at the fact that Andy's edited too many podcasts and now he's just hearing stuff. <laughs> he's slowly, what you're watching right now is Andy slowly unraveling. <laughs> I actually didn't hear it. And I'll tell you, I, in, to, to your credit, I need to go back and listen to it on my source because we've, I've only listened to it in the, just recently in the share that we do before we record these minutes and the sound wasn't great. Um, so I, I, I stand ready to believe you. Uh, and it would be a cool nod too. Yeah, I, I think so. I would love to. I need to go listen to it on my TV with my speakers and just play it in something that, uh, that's louder so I can just see if there is something there. Yeah. Well, I think this is the moment for Christ in the Cape, if uh, if you're ready, Father David. Well, I am always ready to launch into Christ and the Cape. So I, I referenced in yesterday's minute that there's something that this movie does in a moment of heroism that's really important for the rest of the MCU. And the moment of heroism I'm talking about is this old man standing up. Because what does this man hope to accomplish by standing up to Loki? He, he is not a superhero, and he knows that. But he is standing up for what he knows is right, that you do not submit to tyrants. You do not submit or unfold in the face of fear. And that makes his heroism greater than any of the Avengers. Because, you know, Cap has his shield, Black Widow, her plane, Iron Man his suit. But how much braver is this old man? How much more righteous is his example? And and I think what this moment does for the MCU is that it demonstrates a, a crucial factor that is sometimes taken for granted in superhero movies, but is rarely established. It demonstrates that the world is worth saving because there are people in it worth saving. And this is something that I think the Avengers and uh, subsequent MCU movies in this upcoming phase get right that I think other superhero movies from uh, other intellectual properties that I, I don't name on this show don't quite get right because they don't establish that same worthiness of the world to be saved. The world's just kind of a terrible place, so why bother saving it? But here we see heroism. Uh, so that, that's the first thing in this, this little uh, example of this old man. And the second thing that I want to show in here is that the old man doesn't duck when Loki aims the scepter at him. You know, this, this guy, he's not an idiot. He knows what's happening here. He knows what Loki, he doesn't know what Loki's capable of, but he knows that he is taking a big risk and standing up. But he doesn't duck. He doesn't flinch. He shows the fear because he's a human being. But that moment when Loki decides to use force against an unarmed, old man who has simply gotten a few good quips in against Loki, it shows the poverty of Loki's power. Because the very act of killing the one who is defenseless before power shows the very weakness of power. It shows that power cannot compel change. It can't actually sway hearts and minds. It can only kill. Fear is not conversion. And this has been something that the, the Christian tradition has understood for a long time in valuing the martyrs, those who died rather than renounce their faith. 
Because from a purely worldly standpoint, like looking at this old man, why would you stand up in the face of oppression? Why not just kneel to Loki, get it over with, keep your head down, believe what you want to believe in your heart, and just pay lip service to whoever's in charge? But if everyone does that, the, the tyrants all win. The, the truth is never authentically proclaimed. That law of freedom that we talked about yesterday is never given a hearing, never made, uh, never given as an invitation to people. And so the the martyrs represent for the Christian faith this uh, this culmination of the freedom that's given to the believer. That no worldly power, no army, no coliseum, no gladiator, no sword, no legal system, nothing that human beings can create can take away the truth that causes the martyr, which comes from a Greek word meaning to witness, that causes the witness to stand up. And so this old man is a witness. He is a witness to a truth that there are always men like Loki. There are always going to be men demanding to be knelt to, but we don't kneel to them. And that truth is real enough to die for because in dying, that truth is affirmed. The tyrant showing his power shows that he doesn't actually control anyone. He can't actually change anybody's mind. And that's what makes the world worth saving, that there is in the world something worth avenging. There is something worth fighting for and saving because there are people who are willing to witness to the truth, to witness to goodness and stand up for it, even when they don't think anybody's coming, even when the police are nowhere to be seen, when there's no German SWAT team about to descend on the courtyard. They don't know S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming, but still this man stands up and offers that witness. Mm. I don't know if I, well, of course, astute observations, as always, Father David, and yet here I am thinking to myself, did I, maybe it makes total sense that the Avengers continue their slow march toward fascism, that we, we have to have this individual stand up to recognize that even though Captain America is coming to his aid, it really is the sort of, uh, that that sort of Western savior um, when when I think what this guy demonstrates and it, what I'm hearing you say is we don't need we don't need the savior because we're all we already have spines of our own we're willing to sacrifice ourselves for for the right mm-hmm. and that that's the um, a GK Chesterton who is a British uh, apologist and, and uh, Catholic writer uh, said that there's nothing more romantic in the world to fight a losing battle and then not lose. And that's what we see right. in this minute. This guy, <laughs> he's fighting a losing battle. He can he cannot win against Loki, but he doesn't lose. Captain America saves right. him. And that, that's one of the, the drama, that's one of the things that the, the Christian idea has given to the Western world that there is a romanticism in the losing battle, but that idea of the last minute salvation of things suddenly turning to the good. Right. Like, what would have happened here had Captain America not arrived just in the nick of time? Had the old man been slain by Loki, what would have happened? Would the rest of the people have taken that as a moment to stand up against Loki and actually Mm. take him on? Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, perhaps that would be the direction that this crowd would take. Like, you can't do that to that guy. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe not. It's an interesting thing to kind of explore what his message is, the, and, you know, that last minute salvation that we have here. Um, and then potentially, you know, what is it that by Captain America coming in to save the day right at that last minute, how does that shift the conversation from that point forward? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Really interesting, interesting stuff. 
Well, um, that was a, that's a great way to end this minute. Thank you so much for, uh, uh, for bringing that father, David, we always appreciate these, um, these little, uh, bits with you, um, bringing so much, uh, thought into the show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We certainly appreciate it. You're welcome. Because mostly we're just <laughs> bringing a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> so it helps having you in here smart us up once in a while. <laughs> oh, come on. Give yourselves a little credit. Oh, uh, no. It is it is wonderful, though. We definitely appreciate it. Um, we will be back to talk about Minute 43 with you tomorrow. Uh, so we'll wrap things up. Uh, tell everybody about where they can track you down and what you're up to. You can track me down on Twitter. You can follow me at, at Father Mowry. That's F-R-M-O-W-R-Y. Sometimes I tweet things, uh, but it's a little <laughs> far and few between because I, uh, so often I, my drafts are more complete than my actual tweets. I start writing something and they're like, no one wants to read this, which is why I'm on a podcast, because I can't take anything I say back. <laughs> gotcha. Aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> well, we will have links to that and everything else in the show notes, so check those out, everybody. Remember, if you're not seeing your show notes in your podcatcher, just go to our website, marvelmovieminute.com. You can see them there. You can also learn about our membership, where you can get early access to shows. Uh, you can get member bonus episodes and ad-free episodes, all sorts of good stuff. So that's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about Minute 43. So, Pete, thanks as always. More Loki self-love. <laughs> Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. Hold up. 